This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our August 25th, 2020 edition of Invest Talk. Thank you all for tuning in this hour. And now, more than half through the third quarter, only a handful of trading days left in the month of August. And I want to follow up a little bit on my my opening yesterday, and it was about the risk in the market and. The risk of a policy error. I discussed the the lack of stimulus coming out of Washington and how the Fed and the Treasury are now one. Uh, they're they're willing to monetize the debt to whatever level governments want to spend. Okay, now that might be construed to say, well, the government should just spend money willy nilly. And I have to say, I think that's wrong as well. It's not always just about the size, which is very important, right? When you're fighting deflationary forces of unemployment and you're trying to create inflation, the best way for the Fed to do that was to print money, buy assets, get those dollars into the economy. Well, guess what? They're at the end of the rope. They can't really do that anymore. There's not many more assets that they haven't bought or at least asset types. And they're going to continue to do that, right? Still buying treasuries. But it's up to governments to spend. But governments tend to spend mm, with a little bias, shall we say, to those that help their campaigns, for example. And there was a piece of news today that showed me that bad public spending can lead to social problems. And the piece of news was that American Airlines is going to lay off 19,000 workers. Now, that is just, let's see, four months? Four months. A little over four months since the entire airline industry got a $25 billion payout. Bailout, shall we say. Bailout. And this, remember the Occupy Wall Street movement? Remember that? And those bailouts? Well, the bailouts were all over the economy in this last go-around with Congress. And let me give you some numbers in regards to the airline industry. Starting in 2014, if you look at the top four airlines, you're talking about the big domestic airlines, United Airlines, American, Delta, and Southwest. They bought for, back $42.4 billion in shares. $42.4 billion. United itself, sorry, this is American. American itself bought back about $13 billion. Now they're laying off all these workers. What did that do? Well, it increased debt on aggregate for these companies by 70 8%. American added 18.2. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. If you add this all up, American had negative free cash flow over that time period. 
And in aggregate, it added, what was that? 40, I'm trying to see what the number is, total. 20, oh, about $120 billion in debt over that time period. They had negative free cash flow and they were buying back massive amounts of shares. Then if you look at stock-based compensation, CEOs of the big four airlines received $430 million in stock-based compensation over that same period. So what these buybacks are doing are sterilizing these stock-based compensations. Money is basically going straight to management. And this is the next potential policy error. Is, is there going to be an Occupy the Airlines? Occupy Silicon Valley? What areas of the economy and the bailouts are going to be the next ire of the public? I think is the bigger question. So when I said yesterday that the government should needs to not have a policy error if they want to keep things moving, what I meant by that is not just spend correct, spend enough, it's also spend in the right places. So you don't have the type of social unrest that we saw just a few months ago. Okay, so I know there's a lot of moving parts and it can be confusing, but hopefully we're going to simplify it as much as possible on this show and every day. And our goal here is to help you prepare for what is likely the continuing volatility of markets and the economy as well. Learn how to compensate for the different winds in both directions, both deflationary forces and inflationary forces. Right? We have deflationary forces of unemployment, of technology that's been going, uh, technology advancement that's going on for decades now. And you have inflationary forces of money printing. Fiscal spending. And that can be confusing. And you have to look at both. So many people focus on one or the other. Okay, so I'm Justin Klein, and I'm ready on this program today to give you unbiased answers to your finance and investment questions. So I want to help you develop strategies to deal with this volatility that we know is going to continue. So give me a call, 88. 8899 chart. That's 888-992-4278. Now here on Invest Talk and at my company, KPP Financial, we operate with a philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. Unbiased guidance and parallel investing is what we live by. It's what we eat, sleep, and breathe each and every day. And through that, we help you. We want to help you. That's our goal. You can always send a message through investtalk.com as well if you want to set up a portfolio review with myself or Steve, or just want to talk over something, real estate, 401k, inheritance, savings you have sitting there, whatever it is, give us a call. Maybe it's a friend pitching on an investment idea. Give us a call. Send us a message through investtalk.com or call our KPP financial offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. That's our direct line to our office. Now, my focus point today concerns the story, Apple stock split will change the Dow Industrial's pecking order. 
We're going to discuss what the four-for-one stock split that will take effect on the 31st, Monday, on Apple stock. So that's our main talking point, our main focus point today. But also, there's another change to the Dow that I want to discuss, and that is changing components of the Dow. Three are going in, three are going out. What also does that mean? They, each of those events have different effects. I can teach you a lot about indexes and investing and rebalancing as well. So we're going to touch on that. Next, biases, especially new investors out there. This is very important. Understanding how to check your bias and biases at the door when making investment decisions, when making financial decisions in general. We're going to touch on that. And then lastly, global dividend payments. Global dividend payments, where are they headed? Up, down, sideways? What does that mean for your portfolio and your asset allocation? We're going to touch on that as well. Let's look at the market quickly today. Modest update. NYC was up about a quarter of a percent. And you had growth. How to do a little better today than yesterday when value actually outperformed. So... That was the market today. Now you're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have posted a new Invest Talk Rapid Fire Hour bonus podcast. Steve and I recorded our answers to 34 voice bank questions, and we respond to them at a fast pace. You can still get our unbiased comments, but we keep things moving quickly. So tell your friends about that new August Rapid Fire Hour. You can view it anytime at investtalk.com or iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify. And now I'm here ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. The calendar tells the story. Summer is moving fast and the Labor Day holiday will be here soon. But you've got finance and investment questions now. So Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. 8899 chart, 8899 So uh, go to Jeff in Iowa looking at RWM, which is short the Russell 2000. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking about buying this. You know, before the corona crash, I, I bought this based on you guys' recommendation, and it really helped me through that crash because obviously during, during that time, this, this went up quite a bit. Um, now I don't own it. I sold it as the market starts returning, but uh, now I'm wondering if it's a good time to go ahead and get back in it and then also uh, apply a covered call with it as well. Well, that's that's all based on your view of clearly small caps. This is the small cap index that you're trying to short. And also policy decisions. Uh, I think if governments continue to drag their feet on stimulus, uh, I think the market does roll over by the elect by election time. If you think they'll go out there and spend and come to some sort of deal in the midst of a heated election, then you know maybe this continues to go up because they'll solve the solvency problem that many of these smaller companies have, right? Because of PPP loans or another round of something like that. Um, so from a relative value space, this is a good time to get in. However, 
timing wise, that may not be the right time. So it's really up to you. I, I can't tell you when exactly this is going to roll over. I think there will be a policy error. But, and if you think so, if you agree with me, then this is something that you would want to use to hedge your portfolio. Thanks for the call, Jeff. Now, my focus point today concerns this story. Apple stock split will change the pecking order in the Dow industrial average. So Apple is going for a four-for-one stock split, excuse me, and this will take effect on Monday. And this is big because the Dow, unlike the other indexes like the S&P and the NASDAQ, the Dow is price-weighted, not market cap-weighted. Now, while a four-for-one stock split on Apple doesn't change the underlying value of the company at all, like I said yesterday, it's like, I guess this is four-for-one, but imagine it was a five-for-one stock split. It's like giving five ones for a $5 bill. If I gave you change for five one for $5 with five ones, do you have more money or less money or the same money? Well, you know you have the same money. That's exactly what a stock split is. So this stock split doesn't change that. But the Dow is price-weighted. And f since April, what was it, April 29th, Apple's been the largest component of the Dow. Now it's going to be United Health because that trades at $309 a share. And this is a great example of why you don't follow the Dow. Because stock splits change the weighting so dramatically. And stock splits aren't the only thing that can affect the underlying price. And there can be actually a change in the market cap, right? If they buy back shares, but the stock price stays the same. Sorry, if they issue more shares and the stock price stays the same, its value goes up, right? In the marketplace. That's the inverse of a stock split. So those things can unduly influence the Dow as well. So the end of the story is don't follow the Dow. It's not that important. And it's price weighted, which doesn't really make sense. You're listening to Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART. It's an Invest Talk Tuesday. Justin Klein is here today, taking your calls live. How's your portfolio doing? Are you prepared for continuing market volatility? You've got questions, so call Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Tyler in Oklahoma, looking at NRG Energy Incorporated, a utility company. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Um. Hey, Justin, thanks for taking my call. Uh, big fan. Um, mm -hmm. I'm looking to own it. I'm looking to add a utility company in my portfolio. And, I mean, their chart's boring, but they just uh, may, they approved an acquisition for direct energy. And mm -hmm. their Q2 earnings were pretty good, so the PE ratio is like around 2, which I, I know is even low for a utility company. So just wanted to get your thoughts on it. Yeah, well... 
I would say at these levels, at 34 and change, it's about fairly valued. Yields about 3.5% dividend, and it, sales are down 9% year over year, $8.5 billion company. Now, with that acquisition, they're going to be more exposed to the retail space, so demand for retail customers and the fluctuations in that demand. Uh, and that also requires marketing costs, and there's customer churn. So uh, that type of business is not as good as uh, supplying energy to businesses, for example, and industry. So that worries me a little bit. I don't think it's uh, the best utility out there, but it's fine. It's fairly valued long term. It's it has decent margins, but nothing spectacular, to be honest with you. And they're kind of up and down as well. Uh, so I, I don't love that lack of consistency. They lost money for, what, four out of five years between 2013 and 2017. And that I, I don't like that fact. I like business. I like utilities. For me, if I'm buying utilities, I want safety. Right? I want consistency. And this doesn't really have that, even though they're they're going to make a lot more money this year and next year, about $5 a share next year on $34 stock price. That's pretty darn good. Uh, but I don't think that it's particularly undervalued because of that fluctuation in its, uh, its earnings potential. So uh, not, not a bad utility. I wouldn't say that. It just wouldn't be my favorite in the space uh, in that 3.5% yield. Not juicy enough for me. Thanks for the call. That was NRG Energy Inc. 8899 chart, 889924278. Let's touch quickly a little follow up from our main focus point, and that is on the Dow as well, but a little different change here. It's that they're replacing Exxon, Pfizer, and Raytheon in the overall indexes or index, which is that's 10% of the index at least of the names. The, you know, the, the weighting, once again, is on based on stock price. But it will change the overall structure and exposure to different industries within the index. And what they're adding is, which one are they adding? They're adding Salesforce, Amgen, and Honeywell. So changing the mix up a little bit. Now, this shows you that everyone talks about indexing as passive, right? Well, it's just this broad swath of companies. And you're not picking anyone. No one's really picking anyone. You're just picking this broad swath. Well, in reality, it's not true. This is just the Dow. But what about the S&P and the NASDAQ? Well, somebody owns that index. And they add and subtract positions. So it is, in a way, actively managed. In this case, Salesforce is up 38% this year. Amgen's up 18. Honeywell is only up about 2%. But it's replacing three stocks that are all down on the year. Pfizer off 1%. Raytheon and Exxon are down over 30%. Does that make sense? buying companies that maybe are more expensive? Now, you only know in hindsight. But you can see how these indexes are managed. They're actively managed as well. And it changes the composition. Right? You're not adding any energy companies. You're taking out Exxon. 
Apple stock split, going back to that, alone drops the weighting in the information technology space from 28 to 20. Does that make sense? What kind of weighting or exposure do you have to particular sectors of the economy? Right now, the larger nexus, the S&P, very weighted towards technology. Very similar to where we were in 2000. So understanding these weightings are very important, especially if you are indexing and how the indexes are managed, because they are. Don't think that they aren't massaged over time. 8899 chart, 8892 is how you get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, after the break, I'm going to get into your biases. Right? We all take shortcuts to making quick decisions, especially with our phones in our pockets and so many resources to browse over and try to make a quick decision. We're used to quick decisions. And our brains are wired to do so. But sometimes those quick decisions can mean bad outcomes. So after the break, I'm going to touch on ways that you can help avoid those bad outcomes. On the next Invest Talk, this opinion. Some areas of the cyclical trade are set to outperform. One analyst was making the point that with regard to growth versus value, the narrow leadership from growth stocks may be an indicator of what's to come. Steve will touch on that story tomorrow. But for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. When everyone is on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. No matter what you do or what industry you're in, how you communicate is key. Everything you type is equally important to collaboration, and Grammarly can help. Think of it as your AI writing partner, empowering you to communicate effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact in the workplace. 96% of Grammarly users say it helps them craft more impactful writing. And as the gold standard of responsible AI, Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. By understanding your writing and context, Grammarly provides relevant, personalized suggestions. And with tone suggestions, you can navigate even the most difficult work conversations. You can also save time from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds with one click. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said. Done. You are listening to Invest Talk. We've seen the markets go up, then down, sideways, and around. It's called volatility. And if you're a serious investor, You'll have finance and investment questions for Justin Klein. He's here now taking your calls live. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Hello, Stephen Justin. This is Brian from Orchestral, North Carolina. My question is, I have a Roth with time horizon of 16 to 20 years. How much should I leave in there as cash, say as for dollar cost averaging or something like that? Should I leave, and does like inflation change it in any way? Love the show. Uh, look forward to the response. I appreciate it. It's a great question. You have, you have a long time horizon. And to me, cash earns next to nothing. 
Treasuries earn next to nothing. Treasuries, to me, are return-free risk. And a lot of cash positions are invested in treasuries, although short-term. But you're not going to get any yield there. So if you have a long time horizon, 15-plus years, markets are likely going to be higher 15 years from now. Very likely. So to me, you dollar cost average in to fully invest it. Now, the bigger question is asset allocation, really. So how much should be invested in equities versus maybe hard assets, REITs, precious metals, gold, bonds, etc.? That's a better question. If you have a long time horizon, you should have relatively little cash. And you should be saving more. And as you save more, then you dollar cost average in. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Usher in New Jersey looking at BIGC. Yes, hi. Uh, hi, Justin. How are you doing? Well, well. Big commerce. Oh, someone called on this the other day, didn't they not? Yes. Uh, so, um, I mean, it, this, 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 this company IPO, this month and i know what steve and and justin you say is about you know the 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 new you know new ipos but uh this isn't a very unique situation it's a it's an e-commerce company and given the situation nowadays with the pandemic i mean it's probably uniquely positioned to go uh up and uh make profit i've been looking for it it ipo'd and then it jumped you know it kind of broke out and then it kind of dipped and i missed the opportunity to buy it and then it's up today about 30 percent Mm-hmm. Well, you know, with the news that it's uh, partnering with Facebook to integrate with Instagram. So we just wanted to get your feedback and see. Uh, my, my my time horizon on this one is probably long term, about five to ten years. So wanted to kind of get your feedback to wait for another dip or just buy it. Well, it is up big today. So usually there's some sort of pullback uh, that, that happens with this name. And you, you can't buy this based on any, any type of valuation. Right there, this is all a story on their their integration with Facebook and how well that's going to go and what kind of uh, revenue that's going to generate, uh, not only in the near term but particularly long term, which is your your time horizon here. So I would say wait for a pullback. Uh, and there's once again, there's really no valuation that you can really look at with this because uh, it's very opaque to understand what exactly the ramifications for their sales, earnings, cash flow, et cetera, are for the future. So uh, you're just going to have to look at the chart. If this pulls back to maybe 95, uh, that's an area that I think will have uh, good support. Thanks for the call, Usher. Let's go to Jim in Indiana. Let's talk about trading volume. So I was, I, I own GDX. Okay. And so I was looking at trading volume. For example, the last days, it has ended the day on up volume, which I remember you guys saying that that tends to be a bullish signal. But then I got to thinking about it, and I was wondering, does that trading volume for GDX in this example, does that represent the trading volume for all the underlying stocks that make up GDX, or is that the trading volume for GDX only? That's the trading volume from GDX only. Yeah, GDX, so this goes for any ETF. Any ETF owns, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a basket, it's a trading basket. And there's some mechanisms on how they 
create and destroy shares. That's really what it is. You're creating and destroying uh, uh, shares. And there's, once again, that's very technical. Uh, but it's based on the flows, the buying and selling of the shares of that particular ETF. So in this case, GDX. So you're, yes, the volume has to do with GDX itself and not the underlying positions. Now, obviously, the, the manager of that ETF will have to go and buy underlying if there's flows to create more uh, units, trading units of that particular ETF. And so that'll eventually turn into volume on the particular companies. But if you're looking at a chart, for example, a GDX, that's just tracking the volume of GDX itself. Make sense, Jim? Uh, I, I, I think you're breaking up a little bit. Sorry. Uh, maybe give us a call uh, when you get a little bit better connection or give us a call tomorrow with that follow-up question. Thanks for the call, Jim. Now, before uh, the break, I touched on trading biases, and we all have them. We all that, That's how humans make decisions. It's based on our past experiences. It's ba based on our brain wiring and chemistry. And we all have very similar brain wiring and chemistry because we're all human. And while finding ways to make quick decisions with our phones, for example, you know, looking up reviews, things like that, I do that, right? Go on Yelp, see what the ratings are for a particular restaurant. That can be helpful, but finances are pretty complex. And many shortcuts that we use every day can often lead to bad decisions with complex decisions like finances. And this will cause people to fall prey to their biases. For example, right now, recency bias. It's number one. That's usually the most applicable to investing. Right? Everyone looks at what happened last week, last month, last year, and they extrapolate that. They think, well, it was up 30% over this time period. It should be up 30% over the same time period going forward. Statistics show that's absolutely not true, but that's what our biases will tell us. Now, what are the ways to fight it? Now, number one is know your biases, understand them. We have shows in the past uh, that, that cover that, and I've t covered it a few times, but take time to read about the psychology behind the decision process that you you make, as well as the emotions that you have. And being honest about it. So if you understand your emotions that play out every day in your lives and with your money, you're better able to make more sound decisions. Number two, turn off the news. Turn off the ticker, right? Sitting there watching price movement, that can cause emotions. The more emotions you have, the worse decisions you tend to make. So set a schedule on when to catch up with your portfolio, with the news, etc. Number three, create some speed bumps for action. Sometimes you just need a little time to sleep on it. Slow down when your emotions are kind of high. One thing is set a time period. Okay, I want to buy a particular stock or make this particular decision, but I always give myself 48 hours, for example. That could be your rule. Or maybe it's 
somebody you respect that you have to get them to check on, uh, check, give you the check mark on that particular decision. Next is focus on your goals. So many people get caught up in uh, FOMO, right? Nothing makes people make worse decisions than seeing their neighbor get rich or their cousin get rich. So if you focus back on your particular goals based on your situation, your investment assets, your income, your spending, your family needs, and you make sure you're aligned with that goal, that'll keep you on track. Number five is take it in perspective, right? Be your own devil's advocate for, shall we say. Find ways to disprove what you are thinking. Some people focus on one side or the other of investment and you have to look at both sides. Now let's go to another caller question. This is James in Sonoma. He's looking at P-O-R. Yes, uh, Justin, the reason I'm looking at that is that uh, I've owned it for years. Uh, mm -hmm. It's uh, in my IRA, and um, I wanted to get your opinion on it because it, it dropped 8% today, a little over 8% today. And mm -hmm. what's your general opinion on utilities? I mean, I'm, it, it's in my IRA. I'm retired. Just what's your general opinion on that, and why did it drop 8%? It's a great question. Why did it drop 8%? This is Portland I General Electric. And it is down about 7.6% today. Let's see. I'm trying to see what the news was. Some sort of lawsuit, it looks like. Oh, they had a rogue trader. Caused about $104 million in losses. Interesting. So certain personnel what, entered what into a mean? number of... It means that... Energy companies or utility companies, they often buy and sell electricity. And just like anything, if you buy and sell at the wrong price, the right wrong time, with the wrong person, can cause losses. And it looks like, yeah, there is a $104 million loss. They have another $23 million in unrealized losses that they're holding. And so it could be as high as $155 million. And let's look at the size of the company. $3.4 million, billion dollar market cap, excuse me, 4.2% yields, revenues pretty consistent, earnings up. You know what? I, I don't think this is a reason to sell. Uh, you know, it's gonna, they're going to tighten up their operations, maybe take a little less risk, uh, hurt their balance sheet a little bit. But, you know, I actually like these type of events to get in. Right, because this it, did this change their business? No, didn't change the business at all. You know, it's hurt shareholders for sure. But if you buy on this, uh, this little dip, it's actually pretty good. So uh, I I actually like this. I, I would not be selling it based on this news. It's nothing to do with the business. It's just a bad trader who's probably going to get canned, and management's going to make some changes and tighten up the ship a little bit. But their overall business looks pretty fine to me. So you know, it's not great but not terrible either. So I would not sell it. I'm Justin Klein. You're listening to Invest Talk. Now you are in good company. Our podcast download statistics show that so far in August alone, we're topping 650,000 downloads and we still have a week left. So Steve and I thank you for downloading Invest Talk. 
in telling your friends and family members about our investing and financial podcasts, as well as our website, investtalk.com. Now, if you need help, you're trying to build a solid financial future, reaching your financial freedom goals. If you're unsure where to start, I suggest you take our Riskalyze Risk Questionnaire to help you define your risk comfort zone, kind of like a speed limit. Higher the number, the more comfortable you are with risk. The lower, the less comfortable. And of course, you can also call our KP Financial Offices in Irvine, California. We will help you. We want to help you. We'd love to help you. But for now, our phone lines are open at 888-99-CHART. This is Invest Talk. Good news. Steve and Justin have recorded another Rapid Fire Hour podcast. They take caller questions at a faster pace, but you still get their unbiased answers. In this special bonus show podcast, you'll hear responses to 34 finance and investment questions. The theme of the program concerns market processes, best practices for investors, and explanations of various terms and investment opportunities. So tell your friends, search Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, or investtalk.com for the free August Rapid Fire Hour. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial. Hi, Steve. Hi, Justin. This is Charles uh, from Miami Beach, enjoying the sun. Question about ARCC, Aris Capital. I picked that up at about 19 at a high in the financial space because of basically the high dividends. And it's dropped down to about 14 and a half. And I'm wondering if uh, I should look elsewhere, that I should make an exit, or I should hold it. Uh, I'd like your opinion on it. Uh, thank you very much uh, for a wonderful show. All right, looking at Aries Capital. This one sank big time on in early in the year, in the first quarter, because of COVID. 52-week high is at about 19.33. The low is at $7.90. Now we're at 14 52. So about 25% still off its highs, and it yields about 11% at these levels. But this is one of those companies that invest and loan money to middle market firms and leverage up their balance sheet. They're kind of a bank that's focused on lending to corporations, usually small and medium-sized businesses. The issue in this economy is that they have a lot of debt and a lot of companies that are struggling. Sure, the bailouts or PPP loans, whatever you want to call them, certainly helped. But overall, a lot of these companies are, are still struggling. We know that from the layoff numbers, the lack of stimulus out of Washington so far in the back half of the year, et cetera. So uh, the payout ratio right now is 70, negative 78%. So their cash flow is strongly negative. And their total debt is rising, so very leveraged balance sheet. I would definitely pass on this. Uh, I think that they are going to struggle for some time under an economy that is now impaired because of the shutdown. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here to help you achieve your own particular version of financial freedom. So our work continues after this break. Get your questions in now at 888 99Chart. You are 
listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hey, good afternoon, Steve and Justin. This is Andrew Collin from Las Vegas. I had a question today about the Hartford Group, the insurance company. I've been looking into this one a little bit. I kind of feel like it might be a little undervalued right now. It pays a solid dividend, and they have really strong cash flow. And I was thinking about picking some up as a, as a core holding for for a long term in my in my IRA. Just wanted to get your thoughts on it. The ticker symbol is H-I-G. I look forward to your answer. Thanks, gentlemen. All right, looking at Hartford Financial Group, H-I-G is the symbol. About a $15 billion market cap company. And he's right. There is consistent, strong cash flows. Pre-cash flow, trailing 12 months, about $3.6 billion. So... In relation to the size of the market cap, that's actually pretty nice. Now, the issue here for me is the the amount of leverage debt in the balance sheet, as well as its long-term return on equity. It's kind of all over the place. doesn't tend to be very high over the last couple of years, however, has been in the low teens. does yield about that 3% level, which is a very low percentage based on its earnings. So 25% payout ratio based on earnings and based on cash flow, only about 12%. So they certainly have room to hike that dividend. They probably won't in the near term. Insurance companies are a little tough because it, a lot of it has to do with the underwriting as well as the investments that they put their investments in, right? Or their, their, their premiums in, excuse me, uh, and whether they're safe from you know, times like this. Are they over-leveraging or getting into areas that are, are too risky? That's a big question as well. But I like the cash flows and I like the business. I like the insurance business overall. As a, If I'm looking at the finance space, i much rather be invested in insurance companies than I would in banks, for example. Uh, now, we own a couple of insurance companies for clients. This is not one of them. Uh, I would say it's on, it was on my list of top 10 to 15, but it wasn't at the top, obviously, because so, we don't own it for clients. But uh, it's not bad. Like I said, decent dividend, solid cash flows, and certainly room to increase that dividend, which I like. You, know, you want to see not just about the total size of the dividend, 3%. A lot of people are going to say, oh, it's only 3%. That's not that much. Well, They've been hiking it pretty consistently, and that's what I like about it. That's probably my favorite feature of this. Since 2012, they've increased the dividend from 10 cents a share to 32 cents a share. So they've over, uh, they've tripled it, over tripled it in that time frame, and that's why that's my main reason for owning it. And their balance sheet seems fairly solid. Let's follow up with. Dividends. Speaking of dividends, global dividend payments plunged to their lowest level in more than a decade. Why? Well, people are protecting or companies are protecting their balance sheet because of the pandemic. Total shareholder payout fell by $108 billion to $382 billion, which is the lowest second quarter total since 2012. Now, analysts expect dividends to fall anywhere between about 19 and 25% this year. And dividends fell in every single region in the world except for North America. Canada 
actually increase their dividend by dividends by four percent, mainly because there's a lot of right, resource-rich companies up there, a lot of gold companies, for example. So certainly that caused increases uh, in dividends. Only 10% of U.S. companies cut their payout, though. But many of them, vast majority of them, actually, suspended their stock buybacks, which totaled about $700 billion in 2019. So they're not buying back shares. Now, in Europe, and in France in particular, which is a big area where, or where, where companies pay big dividends, there were they reached their lowest level in a decade as well. and But some of that is likely to be allowed to come back here in the second half of the year. And that's what a lot of companies are doing. right? They, they may have suspended it early, but they're thinking about bringing them back, except for the banks. U.S. and Europe, regulators are not allowing the banks to increase their dividends or buybacks. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Thursday. Please remember to tell your friends and family members that we can you, they can choose from over 100 archived Invest Talk podcasts that are free to download over at investtalk.com or iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein chief executive officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.